Alright, welcome back to the Fast Break episode 138. I'm here with Chase Gibson, host of the Pregame Press po Podcast. I cannot talk. As you can see, it has been a while since we've recorded. i uh, been on vacations, and uh, actually my power went down in my house for a while. So, uh, technical difficulties there, but we're back. And as it's been about three weeks, we thought we'd start with a uh, probably a little shorter episode, um, recapping that second round. Uh, so, how, how are you doing, Chase? Good, Aaron. I'm glad to be on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Ben is uh, doing who knows what right now. Has not been available for quite a long time. Might be ignoring me. So, uh, good to have you here. So, yeah, the second round uh, was originally going to be uh, separate episodes for Eastern and Western Conference, but decided to just consolidate it here. After uh, first round being pretty much uh, chalked on both sides, definitely a lot more storylines here. Lots of injuries, too, unfortunately, on um, pretty much every team. I mean, you have the Jazz with both their guards having minor injuries, Clippers with Kawhi, Suns with Chris Paul for his COVID issues, Nuggets with uh, Yoke, or, uh, Jamal Murray, Hawks with Trey Young as of recent, Sixers with Embiid, Bucks with Giannis, that was also recently, the Nets had plenty of issues. So every single team has been hit by injuries, seems as if kind of... Uh, Hinting to the finals will also uh, probably be some key injuries there, reasons why the Nets lost, and also in that uh, Bucks Hawks series. So we'll start with Jazz versus Clippers. Uh, here I am a Jazz fan. I believe Chase, are you are you a Thunder fan? I am. There's some pain going on right now in Oklahoma City, guys. If you didn't right. know. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, unfortunately, they are not in the playoffs as of right now, but. No. Yeah, it might be a couple years there, but the Jazz do lose the series. Clippers win in six. Clippers the first team to ever come back from 0-2 twice. What are your initial thoughts from this series? Uh, well, Aaron, I think, first of all, Paul George really, really impressed me in this series. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the storyline from last year, you know, Pandemic P, you know, the slander that he was getting for not coming up clutch as a superstar. And now people are talking about him as being the best player on the Clippers, maybe besides Kawhi Leonard, right? Because he averaged almost 30 a game yeah. in that series. It was just, and the help, the real storyline in the series was the game six for almost 40 points from Terrence Mann. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was impressive. The Tyron Lue was really able to kind of exploit some of the Jazz's weaknesses um, because – Although Rudy is amazing, he's probably the best defensive player in the world, they were able to isolate him and make it so the Jazz perimeter had to play perimeter defense because, honestly, the Jazz don't really have a very good perimeter defense. Their entire defensive identity is just their big. So when when the Clippers were making them guard one-on-one -on -one and were beating them off the dribble and were able to switch one through five on defense, it really just exploited all their weaknesses at the same time and they just weren't able to bounce back, and probably we made our adjustments a little too late. But, I mean, we didn't lose three games in a row all season, obviously with the best record in the NBA, and we lost four in a row right there, just were not able to bounce back. So, obviously with the Mike Conley free agency questions, I'm not sure this might have been our best chance we'll, we'll have, at least in the foreseeable futures, and uh, the Clippers also have lost. So, I guess that kind of wraps up that series. It seems like the Clippers were able to take advantage along with some real uh, key help from the bench players or role players on that team and Paul George helping to 
kind of take away that nickname of Playoff P that he's been getting recently. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, Suns versus Nuggets was that second series. I think that the Nuggets just were a little outmatched here. Uh, obviously, with Jamal Murray mm -hmm. out, they didn't have a very deep team. When you have Austin Rivers and Fukuno Kampazu as your starting guards, it's hard to match up with Devin Booker and Chris Paul. So, yeah. although the Chris Paul injury could have opened up things for the Jazz on the other side, I don't think the Suns really had any worries in this series. No, you're, you're completely right. I, the, another thing was it was total domination by Phoenix the entire the entire way, especially games one and two, because without Paul, the, the depth they had on the bench was they, that they showed was incredible it, with Crowder and, and campaign and Cam Johnson. And Aiton played, I think, the best series that he's played all playoffs. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously in the same draft as Luca and Trey, uh, he's certainly not. A, he's certainly showing that he's not a bust, though. I mean, probably not the be ever going to be the best player from this draft, but they're in the finals now, and it's certainly working out for them now. And he, he played really well. Obviously, basically game winner in the next series, but I think he overall may have been even better against the uh, Nuggets, especially with his defense on Jokic, which was very helpful. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, that's, 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 oh, sorry, Aaron. Go no, ahead. No, you can go ahead. You can go ahead. All right. What I was just going to say is that I, just adding on to what you said, the, his ability to play defense, because remember he was so good at Arizona. That's why he was picked one overall well, um, in that draft class with Luke Andre, because he locked down Jokic. And he's the MVP in the entire series, and that's why they won in four games. Right. I think he was also a bit of uh... – just kind of game planning because the Nuggets didn't really have any other weapons other than Jokic. Obviously, Michael Porter Jr. is a bit of a rising star, but the Suns realized that if they could kind of stop or limit Jokic, they would be able to kind of take away the series. So I think Aiton was able to put all his focus into that, and then uh, the Suns were able to pull away with just obviously they have this crazy offensive firepower as well. So it showed that this uh, was it was a team to kind of other teams should be worried about. Obviously, they made it to the finals, but I don't think many people really consider them as contenders, not only coming into the season, but even once the playoffs started, a lot of people even had them losing in the first round. So the fact that they've uh, made it all the way to the finals now, obviously wiping out this uh, Nuggets team is really impressive. All right, so I guess we can move on to Hawks versus Sixers now on the Eastern Conference side. Uh, and Bede returned after being uh, having a slight injury there in the first round. But really the story was just how terrible the 76ers ended up being. Got a lot of Ben Simmons slander happening because he was really rough. Um, late game, he was not even able to play at some points because he can't hit the three and he can't make the free throws. So especially without him, they, the Sixers didn't really have any offense. Uh, Hawks are coming back from 26-point deficits. Uh, they're in Game 6, and over and over, they're just uh, pulling apart this Sixers team, and it was really unfortunate to see how quickly the Sixers really fell apart as well. Yeah, yeah, you're you're absolutely right there. There was uh, Ben Simmons, back to the slander, like he deserved it, dude. I'm going to be completely yeah. honest with you. He, he wasn't – he – we wasn't playing to his like he was number one overall draft pick. He was not playing to that potential. He he shot thirty percent from the free throw line. He did not make a three the entire series. And it, it as a guy who picked the Sixers to win the finals, it was very disappointing. 
because I I'm watching and then Embiid wasn't like as dominant as he'd been all year because Capella shut him down. Yeah, do you think Simmons and Embiid can work at all in the future? Uh okay, so that that's a tough question. I would say I would say yes, but Ben Simmons got to put together some sort of mid-range game or something. Yeah. Because he's got to be able to, like, he can't. And he was just, we saw Aaron in game six, wide open layup slash dunk, right, that he could have put in, and he passed it away to thought to Tybal, who ended up getting fouled. Right. Uh, I, I think in the past, I've kind of always been defending Ben Simmons. Uh, ben Hicks, uh, my normal co-host, is often against or him or has been doubting him. And I've been saying, like, Ben Simmons doesn't need to score on this team. They have so many weapons, it's not necessary. He can focus on defense. But in this series, he had to score. They needed his scoring presence, and he just couldn't. I don't know if it was confidence or what. Personally, I think that they really need to try to move on from him, but this has been the lowest his trade value has ever been. So I don't know what they mm-hmm. can get in return right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, 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 Doc, Doc Rivers, I mean, we saw we saw that interview after the series was over yes. where he was like, he was like, I don't know if Ben Simmons can ever be a reliable guard in the future, which would, I, it, when your coach doesn't believe in you like that, like that's a little questionable for a player who's supposed to be leading the team that a, a do everything type of guy. And he was just not that in this series at all. And beat also in his post game interview seemed to try to blame a little bit on Simmons w- without seeming, I guess, too mean. I mean, he was just saying like, we we had opportunities there, and it kind of slipped out of our hands. I think that I mean Nick Goldie often makes fun of me that the Jazz year after year losing in the first round, second round. I mean at this point the Sixers are in a similar situation. Like they're losing year after year in the first and second round. They need some kind of push. There was obviously the year with Jimmy Butler and everybody, and the lost on that uh, Kawhi Leonard bounce, which uh, it was one of the greatest shots ever, obviously, but. Mm-hmm. Same yeah. time, they, they lost that year when they were the most stacked team, in my opinion. And if they had beat the Raptors, I think they could have beat the crippled Warriors as well. So it seemed like that may have been their chance that year, as this year may have been the Jazz chance. And both of these teams just seem like they, they I don't know if they necessarily need to make moves. I think more on the Sixers side, they, they need to make something happen, though. Some kind of change up in the offseason. Hopefully they can make another push next year. Yeah, yeah. And, and Aaron, um, just one more point here. Uh, people, people in Philadelphia thought that Brett Brown was the problem. Yeah. Which we just found out that it's it's not it's not the coaches, right? I think Brown was doing a great job building that team into a playoff contender every single year. He just wasn't he wasn't letting them finish, but neither did Doc Rivers, right? So it didn't really matter. I don't think Doc Rivers has been an amazing coach either, though. Obviously, he is a championship yeah. coach, but at the same time. This is the second year in the row. He's kind of played down to the competition and lost the series he shouldn't have. Same with last year with the uh, Clippers losing to the Nuggets in a series where I thought the Clippers were a superior team. So I think that, yet again, certainly they should not move on from the coach at this point. I don't think that's their main issue, as you just highlighted. But there's a lot of things that need to happen. Obviously, Daryl Morey at the helm, you can't underestimate any moves they can make or doubt anything. Uh, Seth Curry was working amazing with them. Obviously, Tybal is a young star, all-defense second team, playing 15 minutes a game. 
and it just shows how amazing he has been. But, yeah, I think something needs to change. We'll see what it is. Hopefully, uh, they can make uh, choose some direction to head in, though. All right. Uh, so, we, we can move on to Bucks versus Nets here. Obviously, this went down to seven. But I think the biggest issue was all of the Nets' injury issues. James Harden played 53 minutes with a grade 2 hamstring strain uh, in games 6 and 7. And I think that, yeah, I mean, Harden with this bad hamstring issue, Kyrie with various injuries that he's been dealing through all series. I mean, Ben picks, picked the Nets in four. I was hoping to make fun of him about that at some point. But it, it just shows that uh, I, I'm not sliding the bucks, but I think the bigger issue was kind of internal on the Nets' side. Yeah, yeah, obviously. But the thing is, though, like, they, they're supposed to be a big three, and just they haven't all three showed up at one time in the postseason this year. They never, never, any of them did. And Ben, uh, Nets in four. Come on now, I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to bring that up. Yeah, they were. Um, but, no, go ahead. Okay, um, but Kevin Durant. We can, I, as a Thunder fan, I'm not a big fan of Kevin Durant. But we cannot at, underestimate that his performances that he gave in five, six, and seven were all incredible. I mean, probably. I, I mean, I obviously have not seen all of KD's career, but uh, the game where he had 50, 17, and 11 has to be up there with some of his greatest playoff performances ever. Um, but. The Nets, like, it slipped away from them. Game one, the Bucks were 6-30 from three-point range. That's the least they've made all season, and they still won, which shows that the Nets, I don't know if it's necessarily chemistry. I mean, with that dominant stars, is that the biggest issue? But definitely had some problems there that it, it was their solution. They did end up losing. Mm -hmm. And the, net, it, the Nets were up 2-0 at one point. Right. And that's... That's where I thought people were like, okay, series is over. Let's move on. Let's take a look at Sixers Hawks or like, or, or Suns Nuggets. You know what I mean? But the, the the Bucks never really shot well at all. Right. I felt like up until up until Game Seven, they were never because shoot the free throw line was the biggest problem for Milwaukee. They left so many points there they could have had back. Um, they shot as a team in the, in Game One. They were eleven of nineteen. Game Two, they were. 12 of 23 like that's not going to win you games at all yeah and the bucks definitely had some coach coaching questions too they not only weren't making adjustments but they were playing middleton 45 minutes in a game where they were being blown out but would only pit play him 35 in the game where or 30 in a game where they needed to play him so a lot of questions there obviously they could still make it to the finals they could still win the finals but this series, they didn't play their best, and they were just lucky that the Nets had so many issues that uh, they, they were able to win the series. Yep, absolutely. All right, well, I think that wraps up the uh, second round episode. Uh, we'll be back here tomorrow or in a couple days when we publish the episode recapping the uh, third round or the Western, or Western and Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, I mean, we're already on to the finals, but I think this playoffs has been really great so far. Yeah, play great, Aaron. All right, well, uh, that's the end of the episode, and I'll see you tomorrow.